Well, good morning, everybody, and I want to welcome you, those of you that it's your first time or maybe you're rejoining us uh, after a while. Uh, maybe the craze of COVID kind of uh, unbuckled you from maybe a normal routine on the weekend and you decided to add uh, to add a little stimulus package to your weekend when it comes to uh, church. And so Church Online may be your only window into Timber Creek. I want you to know that when we open back up, we've got a seat with your name on. It. We would love for you to be our guests here at Timber Creek Church, not only in uh, Lufkin at our broadcast location, but we have a campus of Timber Creek in Nacogdoches, and we also, right here in Lufkin, have Iglesia Timber Creek. want to welcome all of you watching with Iglesia and listening as Edgar does a fantastic job translating everything. Thank you, Pastor Edgar. You're a wonderful friend and a great partner in all of this. We are in week two of the series, A Little Bit of Wisdom Goes a Long Way. Everything we need right now is trumped by wisdom. Knowing when to reopen, knowing when to hold back, knowing what to do next, a little bit of wisdom can go a really long way. It's what we need most uh, right now. In fact, the book of Proverbs, we started last week with this same scripture. Wisdom is supreme, Proverbs chapter 4 says. It's supreme. It's the deal. Therefore, get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Some of you, you are excited. You got that stimulus check. Next week, I'm going to talk about wisdom with your wallet, the stimulus check and wisdom, and I'm titling next week, Stimulism. Okay, like how do we get that stimulus and wisdom and all of that? For those of you that are experiencing that, we'll get there I digress, that's for next week. Though it cost all you have, get it, chase after it, pursue it. And today we're gonna to set up camp in one of the more popular chapters in the book of Proverbs. It is Proverbs chapter three. And there's a real, there's a real popular verse that we'll get to, but let's start at the very beginning. Proverbs three, verse one, my son. Remember, it's relational. It's not clinical. It's not student, just a teacher to a student. This is, this is, wisdom is relational. My son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Notice that when he says, when he says, keep my teachings, it's not just at the top of your brain. It's deeper. It's a deeper thing. It's in your heart. It's the whole, it's your whole life. Like make wisdom, not just a intellectual thing. Make it a heart Thing. Keep my commands in your heart so that you will prolong your life many years and bring, your, bring you peace and prosperity. I know many of us would like to see that in our life, especially in these unsettling times. The author goes on to say, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. I mean, tattoo your neck with... <laughs> That was a joke, but, but kind of like, really like, like just, you got to write, you know, tie the shoestring around your finger to remind you, like, make sure that you let love and faithfulness never leave you. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Ton of wisdom here. Now we get to this very popular scripture that, that we've heard. Uh, if you've been in church at any, any period of time, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, submit to him. And here's what happens. When you trust, when you lean not, and when you submit, 
he will make your paths straight. The straight and narrow is an easier road to follow when I trust him and when I lean not and when I begin to yield. And we're going to talk about what, how that develops wisdom in our, in our life. Scripture goes on. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Here's another product. If you do this, then this is what happens. This will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. You don't just need the protein shake. You, you need to not be wise in your own eyes, okay? If you're, if you're counting macros, also count how you're learning and growing in wisdom. And so today, last week we talked about wisdom and how it is, it's insight. You're able to, to see different distinctions in an issue. It, it, is, it is prudent behavior uh, where you're able to solve issues in different ways and it's depth of character. And today, we're gonna, we're gonna give another definition of wisdom beyond insight, prudence, and depth of character. We're gonna talk about another definition of being wise and, and here it is. And if you're taking notes, I invite you to, to jot some of these things down and this next week, as, as, we, as we chew on these things, come back and ask the Lord, is this definition alive is this active in my life? So here's the definition we're working on this week. Competence, skills to pay the bills, competence in regards to the true realities of life. Now notice I say true realities because uh, how many of you know you have had people in your life uh, either say to you or you've said to others, um, you're living in an alternate universe right now. Like have you ever said to, to a, 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 one of your kids, the world doesn't revolve around you. Because in reality, the world does not revolve around you, it revolves around the sun. But in an alternate, untrue reality, the world revolves around us. It's all about me, it's all about I, it's all about number one, oh me, oh my. What I think, what I like, what I feel, whatever Toby Keith says. And, and, and like, that's an alternate reality. And so what we need, wisdom gives us the skills in the true realities of life. And so today, what I want to do is I'm going to break down. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about what wisdom is, why it's so important, um, why it's so hard to attain it. And we finished with the question, do I have any? And we realized that the way we start receiving wisdom is the beginning of it is all reverence and respect and awe and wonder for who God is and what God has done uh, in order to show his love for us. Today, we're gonna dive into now like wisdom and where it develops. So what it was and why it's important and why it's hard to attain, uh, now we're gonna talk about how do we build it up in our lives. And that's what Proverbs 3 is all about. And so first, write it down. Wisdom develops on the quick and easy racetrack of life. It comes quick, it comes natural, it's a fast pace, fast and furious, ah, stop, that's wrong. Do not write that down, that is incorrect, okay? Uh, what, what is the right answer here, okay? Well, what's the right answer? Wisdom develops on the slow and steady pathway of life. Um, a pathway is meant to be walked on. If you're gonna run, you run on a track. You walk on a path. Uh, 10 years ago, this June will be 10 years 
that my wife and I were celebrating our 10th anniversary. This June is 20. And uh, man, it has been 16 really good years. Four of those we don't even want to talk about. But 16 great ones. And we're about ready to spend uh, our 20th anniversary <laughs> in quarantine. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't know. Uh, but, but we, 10 years ago, we were in Hawaii for our 10th anniversary. We were in the island, on the island of Maui and we got into the hotel and there was a huge uh, uh, triathlon going on on the, on the island. And there was a triathlete magazine on the coffee table. I had never ran a 5K in my life, let alone swam uh, in a triathlon. Uh, and a triathlon is this, uh, a, 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 a half Ironman is what they were doing on the thing. A half Ironman is a 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile bike, and a 13.1 or a half marathon uh, run at the very end. It's crazy. And I know some of you are like, uh, did you ever do? Yeah, I did a couple of them. I know you're wondering how a body like this could do something like that. But, but hey, I, I made it. I survived it. I completed it. I didn't compete with anybody. I completed it. Although my, my claim to fame on my very first half Ironman, Lance Armstrong was also in the same race. I saw him go, I saw him as I was getting on my bike, he was coming back in and he beat me, okay? He came in seventh that day. I came in 2024 or something like that. And I want you to know the reason why he beat me is because he was on steroids, okay? I'm just telling you, that's why he beat me. But nevertheless, I digress. I said to Janet 10 years ago, I'd like to start running. And she said, okay, let's go. She was running marathons, a couple of marathons every year. Now, when we got out to the track, the path on the ocean, uh, the very next day, I ran for a few seconds and I had to stop. Ran for a few seconds and I had to stop. I, I was not ready. And training up for a marathon, training up for a triathlon, it was a slow and steady process that got me to where I needed to go. It didn't happen overnight. Can I tell you something when it comes to wisdom? It's not going to happen overnight. You can pray and receive it supernaturally, but, but wisdom develops slow and steadily on the pathways of life. The, uh, the, the, the man who can break a four-minute mile, I promise you, he can walk further than he can run. Everybody can walk further than you can run because wisdom is a marathon, not just a sprint. And wisdom develops on the slow and steady pathway of life. The second piece not only does wisdom develop on pathways, but wisdom develops in the choices that you make every day. The choices you make every day turn you into a wise or foolish person. Every day. You don't become foolish or wise in an instant. You become wise over time by making choices every single day that are wise choices. Asking yourself the best question you could ask, what's the wise thing to do right now? A foolish person, choices every day create foolishness. And here's the truth. It's not about the big decisions you make every day. It's actually the little decisions because little decisions, little choices create good or bad character. It grinds away at the granite of your life and it reveals who you really are by the little good or bad choices that you make. The choices you make every single day create a good character or a faulty character. Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about a life that's built on a rock and life that's built on sand. And he says, those that um, listen to my word and do it, 
are like a person who builds their house on the rock. The rains came down and the floods came up and that house stands solid. But the person who's the fool, who builds, uh, listens to the word but doesn't do anything with it, it's like a man who builds his house on sand and the same rain comes and the same floods come and that house goes kersplat. And another way to say it, your little choices create good or bad character. Well, your little choices create solid or sandy character. And so what I want to invite you to do today is make some daily choices. And you are going to have to daily choose. You're going to have to daily choose from good or bad development of your character on the slow and steady pathway of life. You're going to have to daily choose. Is it going to be humility for me or pride? Am, am I, am I going to be stiff-armed by God like he's a running back in the NFL by being prideful because God opposes the proud? He stiff-arms the proud. Or am I going to humble myself? That's a daily choice. Got to wake up humbling myself before the Lord. Daily, I've got to choose. Either I'm going to be courageous or I'm going to have cowardice. And I, I know that when you hear the word cowardice, you're like, whoa, that's a little you know, that's a little intense. I'm not a coward. Well, really, when you look at the synonyms for cowardice, fearfulness, be, being afraid, just like being kind of driven by fear, that is cowardice. And you have to choose, especially in the climate we're living in right now. I'm going to wake up with courage or am I going to let cowardice lead me because that daily choice is going to develop my character. Daily, I've got to determine, am I going to lead my life with grace and forgiveness, knowing that God has given me grace and forgiveness? Or am I going to carry around anger and resentment? And people make these choices every single day. Can I tell you something as I'm just being honest with you as your pastor? I try not to be ever dishonest with you. Um, sometimes I land on the wrong side of my choices. Sometimes Pride gets in the way. Sometimes I get angry and I carry it and I can get resentful and I have to let the Lord recalibrate that, that and I have to humble myself. So if the definition of wisdom is that competence, skills to pay the bills in regards to the true realities of life, here's what happens. You don't see straight. You don't, you don't live in real reality if you're making a daily choice of anger and resentment, that becomes, that becomes a, a pair of glasses in which you view life and it skews the same way when you take a clear glass and you fill it with water and you place a spoon in the glass and, 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 and the spoon looks bent, it looks uh, jagged. That's what happens to the realities of your life when you look through the lens of anger and resentment. All of a sudden, the realities of life get, get twisted and you start thinking everybody's against you. Or if you're prideful or you have cowardice, all of a sudden everything's the enemy. And you, you, you live in a jaded, not true, true to you, but not true to anybody else, reality. And so you've got to understand that when I live in humility, I'm able to see more clearly the true realities of life. When I live in courage, courage is the number one virtue that, that, that really is the catalyst for all other virtues that build your character. When I live in the grace and forgiveness of God, it helps me see the realities of the way God call, has called me to, to live. So if, if wisdom, where it develops, and then the other piece of it is, 
if it develops on the pathways of life and in the choices I make every day, what are the vehicles for that wisdom? What, what do I need to saddle up onto? What do I need to buckle into? What are the vehicles that mobilize wisdom along this pathway? The kind of wisdom that comes from above. I'm not talking about knowledge. That comes out here. That's horizontal. That's from teachers and professors and hard knock life and the, the basics, you know, and the street cred. Real wisdom comes from above from, from God. And here's what, it, here's what it looks like. I'm going to give you four examples of the vehicles for wisdom. The first one, it sounds simple, but it can be a little more difficult sometimes. And that's truly knowing God. Not just know about God, but it's an activity. It's a slow and steady uh, journey on the pathway of life of knowing, knowing, and knowing, and knowing. Let's go back to that Proverbs verse in chapter three. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Can I say what's important about love and faithfulness? It's not your love and faithfulness the scripture is talking about. It's not talking about your ability to love your spouse. It's not talking about your ability to be faithful at your job. Let love and faithfulness, the Greek word there is, is all about his love and faithfulness. Basically, let God's love and faithfulness never leave you. And knowing that on the daily pathway of life, you've got to be, here's the, here's the, Here's the essence of it. You've got to be absolutely convinced of his unconditional gracious love for you. He loves you. He is not mad at you. He is not tapping his foot with his arms crossed, leaning over the walls of heaven, waiting for you to screw up your life. He is with open arms, ready to receive you as you are, as the old hymn says, just as I am. He receives you just as you are, but he never intended you to stay just as you are. And you've got to be absolutely convinced that his unconditional gracious love for you will carry you. And you've got to know him in that on the pathway of life. Because there will be times on the pathway of life where things are cloudy and that pathway of life does, isn't going through daisies and buttercups and beautiful flowers like some kind of botanical gardens. There is a promise that you are gonna walk through the valley of the shadow of death and knowing God through the valley of the shadow of death, which is just as much a part of character as the daisies and the flowers, you can be convinced he's gonna be with you. Knowing God is a piece of the vehicle develops character in our lives. The second piece we get right from this scripture, trusting God. Not just knowing God and convinced of his gracious love, but then you gotta trust him. That famous scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And here, here's the challenge that we face, everybody. And I, I, cha I, I, I am challenged, especially in the season we've been in, which by the way, I'm so sick and tired of this season. I am so like done with all this, like, you know, recording sermons right here without having people, you know, I've got, I, I have developed multiple personality disorder because right now I am simultaneously saying, that's good, pastor, preach, pastor. That's good. That's good. I got to build myself up while I'm preaching to a, you know, to technology, Anyway, moving on, when I'm trusting God, I want you to know that I, I, I've struggled with this too because it's very possible to deeply believe in God, believe he exists, experienced him, 
sing songs of worship and raise your hands to him. And it's very possible to deeply believe in God, but watch it, watch. And still give the functional trust of your heart to something completely different. You can believe he is who he says he is, but when it comes to your true trust, you trust your career. When it comes to true trust, you, you trust the name on the paycheck more than trust in the Lord with all your heart. You trust in your own skill set versus trusting in the hand of almighty God of the cosmos. And if we're gonna be in the vehicle that's gonna develop wisdom, we've got to lean not on our own functional trust, but onto the trust of the almighty God. It's one thing to believe him. It's another thing to, to trust him, that he is a good God and he's got good plans and you can, you can fear not because he's, he's with you. So knowing him, trusting him. Here's a third piece, a third vehicle that's critical for all of us. Living, not just a momentary piece, but living in community. Now, this one has been tough. I got in the car uh, earlier this week and my son got in with me to go somewhere and he's like, oh, this is amazing. I haven't been anywhere in like three weeks. Like he's hungry for community outside his mom and dad and sister. I can promise you that. We didn't go see anybody, but he was just happy just to get out of the, out of the house. We were made for community. When God creates the heavens and the earth, day one, it ends and he says it was good. Day two, it was good. Day three, it was good. Four, five, six, it was good. But then the very first thing that God says isn't good, he says it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. And living in community is, is critical in the development of wisdom. Why? Because it's your life, but you can't see it. You, you remember, remember hearing your voice on a recording for the very first time? And you had to ask people around you, does my voice really sound like that? Does it really sound like that? Like, yes, that's exactly what you sound like. But when you hear it back to you in a different way, it, it, it gives you a different vantage point. It gives you a different perspective. And what wisdom does in community is it wisdom helps me see my life through other eyes. One of the most popular Christmas movies is A Christmas Carol. Ebenezer Scrooge, he's a crotchety old tightwad. And, and he's, he, he is... He is visited by Jacob Marley and then, and then he goes on this journey overnight and he's visited by the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas is yet to come. And he gets to see his life from a different perspective and it, and it gives him some wisdom. Uh, you, you have a choice. You can either wait for the ghost of Christmas past to get you some wisdom or you can live in community. Live with other people that say, hey, I see this. Where you open yourself up and say, hey, I'm, I'm willing for you to talk to me about anything you might see as something that's jagged. You know what intimacy is? Intimacy with your spouse is them seeing into you. Into me, see. That's what intimacy is all about. And living in community develops intimacy that gives you the tools to begin to have the competence in life 
to deal with true reality of life. Number four, so, so we've talked about trusting God and knowing God and living in community. Now, number four, submitting to his word. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So let's go back to that definition. If, if the wisdom definition we're working on today is the competence in regards to the true realities of life, okay, when we say submitting to his word, what we're basically saying is that if we're going to grow in wisdom, we have to be submitting to his reality, not our reality. And the word of God reveals his true reality for your life. You were bought with a price. That's what his word, that's true reality. He so loved the world he gave. That's true reality. He has called you out of darkness and into light. That's his reality. And if you're gonna really grow in the true reality, you gotta submit to what he says is reality, not what you think is reality. Now, here's what we love to do. We love to take ideas. We love to take things that happen to us and we love to, we love to make sense of things and we develop our own reality. That's what happens. We, we assume things. We like to think things kind of go a certain way. Let me give you an example, okay? Let's say you and I uh, were hanging out in the, in the, inside the restaurant of Chick-fil-A, okay? One can dream right now that someday Chick-fil-A will be open yet again, that God's chicken house will be open, ready to receive his people. But let's say you're waiting in line with me in Chick-fil-A. And a guy out of the middle of nowhere that I don't recognize, I don't know his name, I don't know him, he comes up to me and he, sa he says to me, he kind of whispers, he looks and he whispers and he says, the Latin name for the seabird is Histrionicus Histrionicus. Gives me a thumbs up and he walks out. Now, I don't know the guy. I've not been studying histrionicus, histrionicus. So, so what in the world is going on here? Now, the normal person wants to make sense of that story. So there's a few things we could apply to that. We could assume maybe, what, what, if, what if the guy's mentally ill? Then it would make sense. It would make sense that he's walking around Chick-fil-A going, histrionicus, histrionicus, histrionicus. And you're like, are you okay, buddy? Do you need to find a ride somewhere? Histrionicus. Well, it makes sense if he's mentally ill. But maybe there's another answer. Maybe this guy mistook you for somebody he saw at the library this week. And he was looking for a book on birds. And you look just like the librarian. And he came up to you in Chick-fil-A because he thought you were the librarian. And he says, the name for the seabird is histrionicus. Well, that would make sense if, he were, if you were the librarian, but you're not the librarian. Maybe there's another reason. Maybe, maybe he's a spy. He's a spy. And the code word is like, you look like James Bond. <laughs> Bond, James Bond. <laughs> Money penny. You look like James Bond. And you, he walks up to you and says, histrionicus, histrionicus. And he's expecting you to give him, you know, a reel of film that explains the assassination of JFK. 
All these different stories we create out of thin air because of something that happens to us. And that seems far-fetched and that's kind of ludicrous, but, but let me give it to you in, in, in real terms. Sally gave you the cold shoulder at work. You walked into the break room and Sally completely ignored you. And you're thinking, that's because, I, that's because I stole that Bed Bath & Beyond gift card at Christmas Exchange. She's still mad about it. Okay, the, what's the real story? The real story is she had AirPods in that you didn't even see. So she didn't ignore you. She just didn't hear you. But we want to make our own story. You know, years ago when Iglesia Timber Creek was meeting in our chapel at the Lufkin location, I had one of the leaders, one of the dream teamers of Iglesia Timber Creek come to me in between services and said, come here, look, I want to show you something. And we walked down the hallway to the chapel and outside of the chapel was a banner that, that, that said, Entrada aquí, enter here. And the dream teamer said, look at this, look at this sign. Because in the middle of the sign, there was a big scratch through it. It was just scratched out. And he said, I think somebody, I think somebody was telling us they don't want us here. That's wrong that somebody would scratch it out, that they don't want the Spanish church here. They don't want Iglesia Timber Creek. Well, what's the real story? Well, the real story, I knew the real story. And I said to him, we'll call him Miguel because that was his name. I said, Miguel, the maintenance team was carrying a ladder in the other day and they actually bumped up against it and they scraped the sign with the ladder. It wasn't because someone didn't want you here. It was an accident, but we love to create our own stories. So here's what, here's what really submitting to his word, submitting to his reality. When you submit to him, you are submitting to his story. And I want you to know that every part of life looks way different when you see it through the right story. When you see it through God's eyes and God's lens and his word is the moral compass for your life. All of a sudden you... When it comes to happiness and, and, and culture's story, uh, uh, this world's story on happiness is for you to chase the American dream. It's for you to live for yourself. YOLO, you only live once, so you ought to live it up, spin it up, do whatever makes you feel good. But if I submit to his story, I understand that happiness is based on happenings and really the joy of the Lord is a better story. Because happiness comes and goes, but the joy of the Lord is solid. When it comes to marriage, you can follow suit with how everybody else looks and views and undervalues marriage these days. Or you can submit to his story that it's a covenant relationship designed by him. And he'll help you in that path. Culture wants to scream in your ear what your identity should be shaped after. From your value, to your sexuality, to your decisions, to your emotions, that your value is based on what you do and what you accomplish and how much you can, can make or, or whatever. But when you submit to his story, you see that you were made in his image. And you were designed to be in relationship 
I'll tell you what, when you submit to his story, you're gonna face trouble. And many people, when they face trouble, they want to build their own reality. What did I do to make God mad at me because I'm having this trouble? Or God must not love me because I'm going through this trouble. But when you submit to his story, you realize that it rains on the just and the unjust. That many times our hardships can become catalysts for wisdom. In fact, trouble supercharges our wisdom. There's just some things you learn in trouble. I don't know what you're facing today. The issue of life, the pain, the the lack of healing, the financial burden, the loss of the job, the, the fear, whatever it is, wisdom from God gives us the ability to navigate anything you face. Now, the biggest question from how do you get on the right path and how do you get in the vehicle, the the biggest question is simply, yeah, how do I do this? How do I choose trusting in Him over trusting myself? How do I choose knowing Him more than I know myself? How do I choose submitting to Him when it's a whole lot easier to submit to culture? It's a whole lot easier to submit to my own emotions. It's a whole lot easier to submit to my own wants. Here's what you do. You see what He did for you. When you come back to the reality that Jesus died for you. That he didn't just die casually. He died an excruciating death for you. Experienced it all for you. Then all of a sudden submitting to him because of the love that he shared on the cross for you, trusting him, it gets a little bit easier. It doesn't come fast. It's a slow and steady journey. But in the same way that Jesus journeyed to the cross, he didn't didn't die at 15, he died at 33. And although that sounds so young to us, he, he lived a steady life and he died a strong death to show you that he will help you. What wisdom can you gain from the sinless Son of God? (laughs) All of it. Would you pray with me today? In your own words, I'd invite you just to say, Jesus, would you give me more wisdom? Would you ask for, God, I ask for wisdom beyond my years. God, I ask for wisdom beyond my own uh, limitations. I'm gonna lean not on my own understanding. I want to see the true realities of life. And I need your wisdom to be able to navigate what's what's true-ish and what's really, really right. You know, as you're praying today, friends, it may be that the number one thing you need to do is you need to get on the right path. And that right path is when Jesus is your guide. Jesus isn't just a philosophy, but Jesus becomes your savior. You would say, Jesus, I surrender to you today. I want to get to know you more and trust you. 
God, help me to find other people that are on that same journey and live in that kind of community that they can see into me like you see into me. Lord, may we gain some wisdom that will help us go a long, long way. We ask it in the name of Jesus, the wise and strong Son of God. And everybody said amen.